right, Matthew chapter 19, uh, verse 27 through chapter 20, verse 16. Let's start with a word of prayer. Lord, we just thank you for your blessings, your mercy. Lord, we just thank you for the uh, privilege that we have to serve you. Thank you for your word that it leads us and guides us. Speak to us tonight. Challenge us. Uh, Lord, transform us. And uh, we just pray that we will hear what you're saying to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. So just to recap from last week, we looked at the, the story of the rich young ruler, a tragic figure uh, in the Bible. This was a young man who had it all. He was privileged. He was wealthy. He had a good position. Uh, he was truly uh, sincerely wanting to uh, be righteous, but he knew something was was missing in his life. And and Jesus, of course, puts his puts his finger right on the, the, the thing that was sitting on the throne of his heart, which we know was his, uh, his wealth and his treasure was truly on the earth and it wasn't truly in heaven. And so uh, what happens is what we learn from him is that when God really isn't number one in your life, when God is not number one in your life, sooner or later, it's going to be revealed. It's either going to be revealed through circumstances or a tragedy, or you're, you're going to pick something over or elevate something over him. And whenever you do that in the long term, you'll be grieved. Your, your soul was meant to fellowship with God. You were created for that. He was designed to be the number one thing, number one person, the number one focus priority of your life. And when he's not number one, uh, everything else gets out of whack. We looked at uh, four steps to spiritual growth and change, and I love these. Uh, I really encourage you, if you didn't hear it last week, to go back and listen to it again, or just write these down tonight. Four steps to spiritual growth and change. First step, you got to acknowledge a problem or acknowledge an area that needs attention. That's step one. Step two, you seek out a solution. And we saw that the rich young ruler did step one and step two. He realized he was lacking something, and he went to Jesus. We talked about how Jesus is always the best solution. Uh, step three, got to make a commitment. And this is where the rich young ruler fell short. And I kind of respect him for that, because I think a lot of times... We take step one, we'll take step two, and then we'll, we'll in our, with our mouths, we'll say we'll take step three, but most of us fall short on step four, which is take action. And so I just, you know, you got to remember, you got to acknowledge a problem, you got to seek out a solution, make a commitment to change, and take action. When you do that, then you will grow. When you do that, then you will uh, draw closer to the Lord, and you will go from faith to faith and from glory to to glory. And Jesus acknowledged how hard it is uh, for privileged people to truly change. It's really difficult for for wealthy people. And we talked about how, you know, if you make over $32,000 a year, you're in the upper 1% of earners globally. Uh, and I think it's hard for privileged people to change because they have so much to fall back on, because they're used to other people doing the hard work for them. They're, they're not used to really really uh, uh, being desperate or being in need, and so that's difficult for them to respond to. And a lot of people that are privileged don't really see their need. They don't see the need to change. Well, I'm a good person. Well, I'm okay. I'm not. And, and then that, all of those things are going to keep you from, from finding the kingdom of God. Remember what Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. You have to humbly recognize that you need Jesus. And if, if the coronavirus has showed us anything, I hope that you realize just how vulnerable we are. 
with all of our advancements in technology, with all of our advancements in medicine and 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 and, and vaccines and in procedures and surgeries and and all the research that's been done, look what one virus did to the entire world in a matter of months. If if you can't see anything, we are a vulnerable people in need of Jesus Christ. We need the Lord. We need God. He's the only thing that can keep us. We can't be saved by our riches, by our possessions, or our by our position. We can only be saved by the grace of God. So let's read verses 27 through 30 of Matthew chapter 19. Then Peter responded to him, look, we have left everything and followed you. So what will there be for us? And Jesus said to them, I assure you, in the Messianic age, the literal Greek translation here in verse 28 is, is in the regeneration. And I love that because our God is making all things new. In the Messianic age, when the Son of Man sits on his glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And everyone who has left houses, brothers or sisters, mother or father, children or fields because of my name will receive 100 times more and will inherit eternal life. But many who are, who are last will be first and many who are first will be last. So what you see happening is, is on the tail end of Jesus's conversation about how difficult it will be for the rich to enter the kingdom or how difficult it will be uh, for the privileged, for privileged people to enter in to the kingdom. And, and, and the disciples, when they heard that, they said, well, who can be saved? If the rich can't be saved, who can be saved? Because their, their mentality at that time was similar to some, some of ours today, that if, if you're wealthy, if you're prosperous, then, then God must be blessing you. Then, then you must be well off. You must be in good standing uh, with the Lord. If, 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 if you have money and you have you have possessions and you have those things, then something must be must be going right. And we know today that uh, that wealth and prosperity is no guarantee of righteousness or good standing with God. There's a lot of rich people who got rich uh, by ill-gotten gain. So we know that's not true today. But in their mentality, they saw blessing and, and earthly blessing as the key indicator that, that God was proud of you or that God was pleased with you. And so when Jesus says it's easier for the camel to go through the eye of the needle than for rich people to enter the kingdom of heaven, the disciples say, well, then it's impossible for anyone to be saved. And Jesus says, with man it's impossible, but with God all things are possible. And now in verse 27, Peter does not miss a beat to chime in here, and he, it's an opportunity for him to, to toot the disciples' horn. He says, look, we've given up everything to follow you. We've left everything behind. What are we going to get, right? What's in it for me? That mentality isn't right either. There are some people who, who work the hardest, but their motive isn't right. Secretly, uh, they're, they're more concerned with what is in it for them, uh, and they're more concerned with their reward than they are with the relationship of the one that they're, that they're serving. And I just want you, to, I want you to know this. Hear me tonight. Obedience and immediate reward are rarely linked. Obedience and immediate uh, reward are rarely linked. You know the old saying goes, uh, good things come to those who 
wait. I mean, there is a time and, and there's reaping and there's sowing. And, and the fact of the matter is, is that there are a lot of people who labor faithfully their whole life on earth and they don't see the results or the rewards that they expected to see. Uh, we see that in Hebrews chapter 11 when it, the Bible talks about Abraham. And, you know, Abraham never saw the fulfillment of God's promise to him, but he still had faith and believed that God would would reward him. So remember that our rewards are ultimately eternal rewards. It doesn't mean that God doesn't bless us every day because he does, but we can't fall into the health and, and wealth mentality, this idea of, you know, well, if I do the right thing, then everything's going to go well with me. No, and, and there are many times in our lives when it, it's, in fact, we, we are in trouble uh, with the world or with the devil because we did the right thing in the eyes of the Lord. So just remember that obedience and immediate reward uh, is rarely, rarely linked. Now, Peter uh, is assured by Jesus that he and, and the 12 disciples, excluding Judas, so Peter and the, and, and the 12 disciples, and I think that, uh, you know, we know what happened with Judas, and we know the disciples replaced him with Matthias in Acts chapter 1. But I firmly believe that the apostle Paul was God's uh, intended replacement for Judas. And Paul says that in 1 Corinthians 15.10, that he was an apostle born out of season. But Peter, James, and, and John, and the apostle Paul, and the other original 11 are going to sit on thrones in the Messianic age when Christ returns and, and establishes a new heaven and a new earth. Jesus ensures the disciples that they are going to have positions of authority. And just like there were 12 tribes in Israel, there are 12 apostles, and, and they're going to sit on 12, 12 thrones, uh, ruling over God's chosen people, now the church and all those that call on the name of the Lord Jesus. They're going to rule, and they're going to rule in the Messianic age, in the regeneration. I cannot wait for that. When all things are made new, when our faith is as sight, when there's no more weeping, there's no more pain, there's no more suffering, there's no more death, there's no more sickness, there's no more disease. I'm just telling you, believer, you have so much to look forward to. Don't let anything in your past or anything in your present Take your sight and your focus away from the eternal reward that's coming to you at the end of your race. Don't get caught up in the pursuit of temporary pleasures. We have to remember that we have to we, 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 we have to live for eternity. The heavenly reward, Jesus says, you know, anyone who, who, who gives up the, the relationships of this world or the material possessions of this world, they're going to receive a hundred times greater than anything they gave up for the sake of Christ. It's payday someday. God rewards faithfulness in eternity for all eternity. He rewards in eternity, in eternity eternally and in an abundant measure. Those rewards will never fade away. The things that are stored up in heaven, the treasures that are stored up in heaven, those things will not fade away. But everything that you buy, I don't care whether you got it at a yard sale or whether you got it on clearance or whether you got it when it was brand spanking new, it's going to fade away. It's going to rust. It's going to rot. It's not going to last. Uh, and those who are, who've been rejected by their earthly families for deciding to follow Jesus, they're going to be embraced by a larger heavenly family. And that's a big thing the church is supposed to be also. We're supposed to embrace those who have been rejected by their families, those in other parts of the world that have had martyrs and, and pastors in, 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 in the Middle East and in Asia and Southeast Asia who, who have had their families taken from them. 
Uh, you know, they've given up their family for the sake of Christ. They've refused to, to compromise the sake of Christ, uh, even, even at the risk of having their own families arrested or murdered in, in front of them. Those who have made those sacrifices for the sake of the gospel are going to be rewarded eternally. We shouldn't look at verse 29 as an excuse to neglect our family uh, in the sake of doing church work. That's not what Jesus is saying there. What Jesus is saying there is that those who are rejected by their families because they choose to follow Christ or those who have their families taken away from them are not going, uh, they're, they're going to be rewarded handsomely. They're going to be paid back a hundred a hundredfold. So I got a question for you. Are you working towards an eternal reward or towards a temporary comfort? Are you working towards an eternal reward or a temporary comfort? Are you concerned with storing up treasure in heaven? Or are you so busy trying to have the nicest stuff on earth? You have to ask, you have to answer that. I'm sorry I can't answer your text because I'm filming on my phone. Uh, but you only you can answer that. Are you concerned with storing up treasure in heaven? Or are you trying to have the nicest stuff on earth? Are you working towards an eternal reward or a temporary comfort? Only you can see that. Only you can know that. Uh, I can't say that. I can't, I can't judge that. I can't make that determination. Only you can. And you can be sure that God knows. God knows for sure. And, and before uh, we move on to verse 30, I, I just want to remind you there's only three things that are going to last forever. Three things. Uh, God's word. God's word, heaven and earth may pass away, but my word, my, my word will never pass away, Jesus said. God's word, eternity, and your soul. Uh, every human being is designed to live for eternity and to spend eternity, either with God or eternally separated from God. And how we live this life determines where we spend the next one. And I'm telling you, this life is a vapor, it's a mist, it's like, a, it's like the flash of a cold breath on a cold day, and it's gone. Just as fast as it shows up, it's gone. So we need to be mindful of that. We need to be reminded of that, that uh, all this, a lot of the stuff that we're obsessing over, it's not worth it because it's, it's not going to last. Now, verse 30, Jesus says, many who are first will be last, and the last will be first. Those who seem important now will at the end, those who are at the end of the line now, uh, those who who seem important now will be at the end of the line later. Excuse me. Those who are, are, are overlooked and unassuming, those that are last place, those that are last picked, the poor, the unseen intercessor, the behind-the-scenes servant, they're going to be promoted to the front of the line in heaven. I think we're going to be shocked in heaven as we see, you know, mega church pastors passed by unseen and unknown prayer warriors when we get into heaven. You know, God pays uh, fairly. He knows how we spend. And, and there are so many people that, 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 that serve so hard. I think about the widows that are, that are intercessors. They pray day and night. They're unseen. They're unknown. But God sees them and God knows them. And, and when we get to heaven, it's gonna, I think we're going to be amazed at, at, at those who, who, who we thought, man, that, that, that person seemed really important on earth, but they're at the back of the line, and someone who was totally overlooked by people, they were seen and known by, by God. We're going to be shocked, I think. And Jesus turns, he always turns the world's values totally upside down. And, 
In the life to come, the first will be last. Those, they, they, you know, those that are willing to sacrifice now for greater rewards later are going to move to the front of the line. I think about Abraham again in Hebrews 11 where it says he dwelled in tents. Uh, Abraham was one of the wealthiest, richest people of his day and of his time. And the Bible says that he was willing to live in tents. Why? Because he was looking for a city whose builder and whose maker was God. And I just think it's so sad uh, when you look at uh, how so many of us, me included, uh, we live in our comfort zones, barely moved or motivated by eternity, if we're honest. We're barely moved or motivated by eternally when the fact of the matter is, is that this life is so short and the next life is forever. We need to be evaluating what we value and how we're living our life. Hear me today, please don't forfeit eternal rewards for temporary pleasures. Don't forfeit eternal rewards for temporary pleasures. I love what the, the fire study Bible says here about verse 30. It says that the, the first, the first are those who because of their wealth, Education, status, or talents are held in high esteem by the world and sometimes even by the church. The last are those who are unknown and considered unimportant. But in the age to come, many who were thought to be great leaders in the church will be given positions behind others. And many who were unknown will be exalted to glorious positions. This is because God values people not by their outward appearance, but by the sincerity, by the purity, and by the love in their hearts. I love that. I love that. So you may feel like you're in last place. You may feel like you're overlooked and you're unnoticed. You're not. You're seen by God and you're noticed by him. Continue living and working for eternity. Now we go to chapter 20 and I'm going to read the parable of the vineyard workers. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire workers for his vineyard. After agreeing with the workers on one denarius for the day, he sent them out into his vineyard. These first workers being hired at about 6 a.m., and they're agreeing on a denarius, which was the common uh, daily wage at that time. He went out at about 9 in the morning, and he saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. To those, he said, you, you also go to my vineyard, and I'll give you whatever's right. So off they went. At about noon and at three, he went out again and did the same thing. Then at about five, so there's only one hour of work left. At about five in the evening, he went out and found others standing around and said to them, Why have you been standing here all day doing nothing? And they said, Because no one hired us. So he told them, you also go out into my vineyard. In verse 8, when the evening came, the owner of the vineyard told his foreman, call the workers and give them their pay, starting with the last and ending with the first. Notice how the, the order is switched here. The, the, the payment is going to go according to whoever worked the least. And this makes sense initially. Right? Because you're going to pay those who work the least amount of time the least amount. And then you're going to work your way up. At least that's what we would assume. Now, verse 9. When those who were hired at about five came, they each received one denarius. So when the first ones came, they assumed that they would get more. You know what they say about what happens when you assume? You make us something out of you and me. Right? But they also received a denarius each. 
When they received it, they began to complain to the landowner. These last men put in one hour, and you made them equal to us who bore the burden of the day and the burning heat. He replied to one of them, Friend, I'm doing you no wrong. Didn't you agree with me on one denarius? Take what is yours and go. I want to give this last man the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my business? Are you jealous because I'm generous? Man, what a question right there. Are you jealous because I'm generous? So the last will be first, and the first will be last. Same thing he said at the end of chapter 19, but in the opposite order. Now, Jesus illustrates the truth that he's just explaining to Peter with this parable and in balance. I think Jesus didn't want Peter and the disciples to be filled with pride, you know, because they had given up everything to follow Jesus. So Jesus, it's obvious here that the lesson for his disciples is, is that we should serve him because we want to serve him, not because we expect to receive a reward. You should serve God because you want to serve God, not because you have the expectation of receiving a blessing. Does he bless us? Yes, absolutely. But that cannot be your motive. And we should not insist on knowing what we will get. God is infinitely generous and gracious, and God will always give us better than we deserve. Uh, We have to remember that entrance into God's kingdom is by grace alone. It's not based on our merit, and it's not based on our works. Now, in the story here, in the parable, the landowner is God, and the believers, we as believers, are the workers in the vineyard. In the vineyard. Now, the workers who were hired first were paid last. That doesn't seem that doesn't seem fair to me. Those who the, the ones who worked 12 hours and bore the heat of the day and worked all day long were paid the same amount as those who had worked one hour. And that's not fair. You gotta remember something. Life's not fair. Life isn't fair. And and we have to remember that uh, you know, that God is God. God rewards who he wants to reward. He told Moses, I will be compassionate on whoever I want to be compassionate to. I will have mercy on those whom I've ha- who I will have mercy on. God is God doesn't require us an explanation, and we're privileged to get to work for him. Remember what Jesus told John the Baptist, blessed are they that are not offended by me. And it, it doesn't seem fair here. And it's so often it's so hard to see other people rewarded, especially when they, they didn't work as hard as us. Have you ever been in that situation where you see somebody who gets who gets promoted or who gets honored and they haven't worked as hard as you or they 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 you set them up for success and and they get the, they get the nod they get the job they get the newspaper article they get the facebook post they get whatever and and you're just totally overlooked and unnoticed and underappreciated that happens all the time it's not fair but but we have to understand the the, the principal teaching of this parable that the reward of salvation is given freely by God's grace and not by our own merit. We're saved by his grace, not by our works. And I think Jesus is definitely speaking to, to specifically to the disciples that while they were the first ones he called, they aren't going to be the last ones that he called. And, you know, I think about Peter who was, who was rewarded, but the apostle Paul was called much later and he was called after persecuting the church. But yet the apostle Paul was was blessed. God blessed the apostle 
Paul uh, for, 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 for his devotion when, when he didn't serve and he wasn't the first in line. He wasn't in the first he wasn't in the first group. So there's definitely God, Jesus speaking directly to the disciples. He's also definitely speaking of the Jewish people, where they were God's chosen people. And uh, they had the opportunity for salvation from the beginning. And later, the kingdom was opened up to the Gentiles. And so, you know, praise God for that. And also, uh, we have to recognize, and this is something we should actually rejoice in. We shouldn't be upset about. But th those who profess Jesus Christ as Lord, right before they die, are just as saved as someone who's been devoted to Christ from their youth. And that's great news for those of us who have had loved ones give their lives to Christ right before they passed away. They're saved. They're just as assured of their salvation as those who have followed Christ uh, their whole life. That doesn't mean that the eternal rewards are going to be the same. That doesn't mean that. Uh, it, or, that after they arrive in heaven, uh, that will be rewarded differently based on how we live. But entrance is equally available to all who call on God. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And he can pay everyone. God can pay whatever he wants to pay because he's God. And so we should really rejoice in that because if we have loved ones, I know I have loved ones who right before the end of their life, they, they decided to give their life to Jesus right at the 11th hour. And so praise God that they're saved, just like my father, who was saved as a, as a child. Now, let's look at some other aspects of this. There are some who, who faithfully work for Christ. This is just the reality of ministry. It's just the reality of serving on earth, that there are, there are some who faithfully work for Christ all their lives, and they do not get a privileged position on earth. They just don't. Uh, but God, remember, God freely he gives freely to those whom he wants to give. He chooses who's promoted, and he chooses who gets what ministry position and what calling in life. You have got to find the joy in serving where God has placed you. You can't compare yourself with others. You have got to run the race set before you. So the obvious meaning of the text is that uh, God's going to grant salvation to all who call on the name of the Lord, no matter when or when they do it, whether it's later in life or earlier in life, he's going to give them salvation, and that's something to rejoice. But I want us to think about six other things, because I know tonight I got some, I got some, some folks watching tonight who you, you've been out working in the field, in the vineyard for a long time. You signed on at 6 a.m., and you got there early. I want to encourage us, believers who are watching tonight, and those who may not be believers, with six quick applications. Uh, first of all, number one, don't get embittered by the selection and promotion of others. Don't get embittered by the selection and promotion of others. Beware anytime you start. You should start, you should beware anytime you start evaluating the worthiness of others. That is a slippery slope. You got to remember our righteousness is like filthy rags. You know, don't don't get embittered when somebody else gets selected or promoted before you. You you have got to rejoice with them. Don't fall into this trap. They don't deserve that kind of recognition. Maybe you've said that. If only people knew what they were really like. Maybe you've said that. I work so much harder than them. They didn't even acknowledge my contribution to their success. I say this all the time, and I'm going to say it again tonight. Whenever God blesses your neighbor 
rejoice because that means God's in the neighborhood. And if you act right, maybe he'll stop by your house too. You got to find joy in working for the Lord in whatever capacity he's called you. You have to stay in your lane. You have to run your race and you have to fulfill your calling. I I like uh, Craig Rochelle. He's a He's a pastor of a Life Church uh, TV, and I, I love uh, illustration that he used because he said when he was in eighth grade, he used to run track. And one thing that they teach you when when you're running track is that you you've got to stay, you've got to stay in your lane. And, and what happens when you're running, when you're running a race, and you look over your shoulder? When you look over your shoulder, you break your stride and you slow down. You can't look back. You can't worry about what other people are doing. You've got to focus on staying in your lane. You've got to run your race. You've got to do it for the Lord because he's called you to do it. And that's it. Don't, don't get embittered. Don't get frustrated by the selection and the promotion of others. Anytime you start evaluating the unworthiness of somebody else, you need to remember where Christ found you. You weren't worthy either. I wasn't worthy either. But by his grace, we have been Saved. So don't be like the, the, the workers in the story that got hired you know, right at 6 a.m. Don't get embittered because other people were, were selected and promoted. Point number two, second thing I want to encourage you with. Don't allow yourself to grow weary while you work. It gets tiring. It gets exhausting when you're out working in the field. Some of you have experienced the heat of the day, metaphorically speaking. You, you, you've served when it was no longer fun, when it was frustrating, and when you were fed up. You cannot give up. You need to remember what Galatians chapter 6 says, that we must not get tired of doing good, for we will reap at the proper time if we don't give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, we must work for the good of all, especially of, for those belonging to the household of faith. Don't give up. And I say this a lot. And I know I say it a lot. And I, I don't say it a lot because uh, I don't say it a lot because I don't have anything else to say. I do. I say this a lot because we live in a culture that glorifies mediocrity. We live in a culture that uh, that 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 makes jokes about you know being common, makes jokes about being ordinary, and and, and it's, we laugh about it. And the thing is, is we have to fall, we have to be careful not to fall into that, not to fall into that trap. I watched a TikTok just uh, a few minutes ago. It had said in 1606, Isaac Newton went into isolation and he invented calculus. In, in 1665, uh, during the bubonic plague, Shakespeare went into isolation and he wrote Macbeth. And then it, the, the last one was James went into isolation in 2020 and watched TikTok videos. And it's this picture of a guy in bed eating donuts. You know what I mean? Like it's like we live in a culture that, that giving up is just normal and it's justified. Uh, you can't give up. You can't grow weary. Don't get burnt out. Keep working and keep at it because you're going to be graciously rewarded. I know that there are some, some folks watching tonight faithfully have served for years and years and years, and that gets tiring. It gets exhausting. Working with people stinks sometimes. You know why? Because people are imperfect, and people are selfish, and people don't think about anybody but themselves. But you know what you got to do? You got to work with them, and you got to love them anyway, because that's what Jesus did for us. So point number one, don't get embittered when somebody else is rewarded or selected. Point number two, don't grow weary while you're working in 
the field. Point number three, don't assume a greater reward. You see that when Jesus starts uh, telling that the, the ones who had worked the least amount of time were paid first and they were paid one denarius, what it, it says that those who had worked longer, they assumed that they were going to receive a greater reward. They assumed that they were going to receive a greater blessing. And, and this, the, the principle here is, you know, don't assume that you're going to receive a great reward on earth. Don't assume that you're going to receive your blessings on earth. Don't become prideful in your work for the Lord. Don't become that person that says, well, I'm the, I, you know, I, I, I'm always here and I always show up. And, you know, I pray every day. I never miss a quiet time. And you hear these people talking and talking and talking and talking. And the Bible says that if, if Jesus said that if you do what you do in order to be recognized and rewarded by man, then you've received your reward in full. Don't become prideful in doing the work for the Lord. We've got to stay humble and we've got to stay hungry. And remember, God rewards those who seek no reward. God rewards those who, who, who have the right motives. Keep your motives pure. Because I want you to remember, and I, I would even write this down, that wrong motives spoil right movement. Wrong motives spoil right movement. Man, don't become prideful or arrogant in your work for the Lord. Don't You have to stay humble and you have to stay hungry. Don't assume a greater reward. God may choose to, to, to someone may, I mean, I think about this all the time as somebody in ministry where, where I'm, I, I may raise somebody up and, and teach somebody and invest in somebody and, and, and they go and they go and they, they pastor a church that's bigger than mine. So what? That, praise God that the kingdom's being built. I think about the I think about what the guy that led Billy Graham to the Lord. Billy Graham was, you know, used by God to reach, you know, millions possibly, hundreds of thousands of people with the gospel. And you know, he but what somebody led Billy Graham to the Lord. Where's his reward? You know, he didn't get a greater reward at least not on earth. He's going to be rewarded in heaven. I think about all of us having to do what we are called to do humbly. Because we just want to serve the Lord. So don't, don't assume a great reward. Don't become prideful in your work for the Lord. Remember that your salvation for eternity is the greatest. You, you just can't receive anything greater than that. That is the great reward, right? So stay humble. Don't become prideful. Wrong motives will always spoil right movement. You can do the right thing with the wrong motive. And when you do, the right thing doesn't bring blessing. That's point number three. Number four, don't get bitter towards God. It's so hard when you're working for the Lord. It's so hard when you're doing your best. You're doing your absolute best. You really are. And then life gets hard. <laughs> there are trials. There are troubles. There's hardships. There's pain. There's grief. There's death. There's bankruptcy, there's divorce, there's, I mean, I think about so many people that I know that have worked so hard and tried so hard to be a good Christian, to be a faithful Christian, and, 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 and they've done all that for the Lord, and then something unspeakable and tragic happens in their life. Don't get bitter towards God. Working out in the field, working in this life does not exempt you from pain and persecution. In fact, it almost guarantees it. What you have to remember is that eternally the reward is going to be so great that the pain of this life isn't even ever remembered again. Don't get 
bitter. It's easy to fall into that trap of, well, Lord, after all I've done for you, why would you allow this to happen? Lord, where is my blessing? God, how could you? God, this isn't fair. Listen, humble yourself under God's mighty hand, and in due time, he will lift you up. Don't let one bad today ruin your tomorrow. I want to say that again. Don't let one bad today ruin your tomorrow. This story, this is paid, this is payday for one day. Who do you think got promoted after this day? Who do you think got promoted after this day? I don't know. We don't know. But I guarantee you it was not one of the workers who was complaining. So don't get bitter at God. Don't get angry at God. Don't get the attitude, and don't get the attitude of, well, I might as well just do the bare minimum. That's what so many of us fall victim to. I might as well just do the bare minimum. If we're all going to get paid the same, if we're all going to the same heaven, well, then I might as well try to live it up and have all the fun I can, and then at the last minute just try to try to get right with God. No, don't get that attitude either. Don't get bitter at God. Focus on his mercy and his justice. I love that in this parable because you see the mercy of God to those who came at the last hour and you see the justice of God for those who came at the first. And you got to remember that salvation isn't fair. That's why it's grace. It's God's riches at Christ's expense. Salvation wasn't fair. We deserve death. We deserve hell. We deserve eternal separation and punishment from God. But Jesus Christ paid it all for us. Remember that complaining and comparing rarely measure up to anything good. Complaining and comparing rarely measure up to anything good. So anytime you start comparing or complaining, find two things to be grateful about. I don't know how long that'll take you, but you might just stop complaining because it's easier. (laughs) All right, number five. Don't focus on your position in line. Just focus on his presence. Don't focus on your position in line. Just focus on his presence. Make the joy of your life simply serving the king. Even if I'm in last place, it's a privilege. Now, I don't want to be in last place. I'm going to work for the Lord because of all he's done for me. But even if I am in last place, it's a privilege. Even even if I am totally overlooked for all the hard work I do on earth by everyone else, I know that God sees it. I'm not going to focus on my position. I'm going to focus on his presence. And I love what Mark Batterson said. He said this, I want to go all out and all in for the all in all. Don't focus on your place in line. Focus on his presence. And the last one is, is very simple. I want to encourage you tonight. Don't wait till the last hour. Don't wait till the last hour. You hear so many people in life, I'm going to have all my fun and then I'll ask for forgiveness. Let me tell you something. No one's promised tomorrow. We're not promised that we're going to wake up in the morning. We don't even know if we'll make it through the night. Uh, answer Answer the call to come to the cross right now. If this pandemic has taught us anything, it should have taught us this. Your routine is not guaranteed. Life can throw a curveball at you just like that. There will be unexpected news. There will be something what you'll get blindsided. You just weren't ready for it. It's going to happen. That's that's how life on this earth is. Don't wait till the last hour. Come to him. Come to him now. He's calling us now. Let's answer the call today. Your routine is not a guarantee. One thing is guaranteed. All those who put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ have salvation in the life to come. That's the only guarantee I have. That's the only guarantee I need. That's what I'm going to live my life on. The other guarantee I have is this, that God rewards generously those who serve him with a humble and a pure heart. So seek him. Seek him. Don't worry about your position in life. 
Focus on his presence. Don't get bitter when you see other people being promoted and selected. Just praise God that you're on the team. Don't grow weary in doing good. Don't get bitter by God. Don't get prideful in doing the right thing for the Lord. And don't wait till the last hour. I'm going to close with something that Augustine said. I love this. He said, pray like it depends on God and work like it depends on you. Pray like it depends on God and work like it depends on you. Let's go all in and all out for the all in all, knowing that our generous and just God is going to pay and distribute to each one of us perfectly and better than we deserve. Let's keep working. Amen. Lord, I just thank you for this night. I thank you for the opportunity to come to your word. I just pray, oh God, that you will uh, just work in the hearts of of all those who are watching and all those who are going to watch at a later time. I just pray that you will speak to them. I pray, oh God, that you will encourage them. I pray, oh God, that you will help us, Lord, to just find the joy of serving you. Thank you for choosing us, for saving us, and thank you for all that you're going to choose and that you're going to draw to yourself. I just pray, oh God, that you will uh, just help us during this time to stay focused on you and to do all we can for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thanks for watching.